0: Welcome back, folks, to another podcast. I am Lee Tauken. I am here with musky legend Steve Herbeck. And, Robbie. what's happening there?
1: Uh, Not much. Uh, Exciting day. I know you guys all enjoyed last time we had uh, Herbie on the podcast. It's just one of those guys where you can just listen to musky stories all day long and you'll never get bored with it. (laughs) So, uh, thank you, Steve, for coming by. We had some good technical difficulties for an hour, but we're getting there all off, you know? <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> on a new there's <laughs> a different couch you could sit on huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but, we definitely um...
0: want to uh welcome steve here he is a wealth of knowledge on the sport of musky fishing and has been there done it all uh definitely has been an influence for me personally and a lot of other muskie guys out there so uh Yeah, we're going to, last time we talked about kind of Steve's history and how he got started and, you know, basically his story. Uh, This time we're going to dive into uh, the lake that he has probably the most days on is probably anybody, by and large, musky guys up there on Eagle Lake, Ontario. So
2: 30 years now.
0: 30 years. Holy crap, dude. That's a lot. How many gallons of gas have you put through a boat (laughs) on that lake (laughs) too many uh. yeah
1: oh it's really gonna hurt this year right (laughs) yeah yeah Uh.
0: so anyway let's dive in uh with steve here on another podcast of legends of musky fishing let's hear about uh just briefly kind of how you got going on eagle lake and what what motivated you to go to that place and how did you hear about it and so on we'll just start there.
2: Well. Uh, in my younger years, I kind of grew up going on the week, you know, during uh, weekly weekly long trips with my dad to Lake of the Woods. And once I got my license, you know, and I was free to just burn wherever I wanted to yeah. go with my buddies and stuff, you know, I just started researching and and hearing about eagle, you know, the fact that it had twice, um, you know, held the world record or fish over sixty pounds, and and uh, you know, so. One summer, me and a couple of my buddies took off and we went there and we saw more fish over 50 inches, caught several, but we saw more huge fish than I had in, you know, probably five to six years on Lake of the Woods. And I just never went back. I just was captivated by um, the, the immense diversity of, yeah. um, and, and and it just it just did something to me. So then me and my dad started when I was guiding up in northern Wisconsin. Me and my dad would take off for a week to, in August and and go up there just because that was about the only time that I'd get to fish with my dad. Um, because once I was around Boulder, even if I had set time aside, somebody would call and I just didn't know how to say no. Oh yeah, I'd sure. Just get away, <laughs> yeah. Money's <you> know? money. <laughs> and you know it just it just you know kept. As I learned more of it, more pieces of it, more of it, it just kept captivating me more and more. And then, you know, there was just, uh, it it just kind of popped. A a customer of mine wanted to get into the resort business. And and things to me were somewhat changing in Northern Wisconsin at that time. Um, I didn't see the long range deal of what I
0: really wanted to accomplish there. Well, trolling um, had been closed too, yeah, correct? Right, right. In northern Wisconsin.
2: Right, that had something to do with it a little bit. Yeah. Just, and that was just the, the trend towards more silent type of, uh, of uh, you know, um, vacation type of stuff being pursued. You know, it, it seemed to be going away from the fishing end of things and the things. Sure. And uh, so... I said, "Why not?" You know, back then a lot I more had, jet skis, too, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, back then I always said I had, you know, I was younger. I thought I could do anything I put my mind to, and you know, had way more balls and brains. But I got decided to get into the <laughs> no into doubt. the resort industry, and it, it was a tough start. I mean, the place had been closed for three years; there wasn't one customer. But with the help of a lot of people, that um, you know, in the industry that believed in me and in, in belief in myself that I could do it, you know, the thing took off and, and it became pretty much of a, Andy Myers Lodge became pretty much of a namestay in, in the Canadian industry. And, and it really brought back, I think, ego from a, a period of, of dark ages. There was a time when ego had, was kind of known as the Dead Sea when it comes to- wow. Have walleyes and stuff like that, sure. and, wow. and it was known as a great place to catch a big muskie, but but not necessarily numbers. You you would get beat up, you know, but you had the chance at one of the at, at a fish that you just don't encounter in many places. So, um, you know, um, we first put, you know, I saw what was going on there, and we were the first one to put intelligent camp limits on fish over the slot. I have to commend, oh, nice. I have to commend the Canadian uh, MNR in their in their way of managing and it's it's to manage things before there's a problem.
0: Yeah, that's important. You know,
2: not to try and correct things that are that once there is a problem. So there was there was, you know, one of the first places a fifty four size limit was put into True. effect was on eagle and so many places now have, have started you know chasing them, right yeah you know, laxul and yeah. so on what yeah, year
1: was that uh put in ah uh,
2: i'm not it's, sure i'm gonna say it was probably
0: around uh it's at least 15 years now oh it was, two, yeah, no, it was two No, 20. It's, no yeah it's over 20. 20.
2: it was like no kidding yeah it was like 2014 or 15 i would say so it's it, it's been quite a while and then you know before that They, they put a, the first real slot limit, you know. On the walleyes? Yeah, protecting fish 18 to 23 inches. And then we put into effect a no kill over the slot policy. In your camp? In our camp. Okay. And then because of that, and our promoting that at the, at the shows and stuff, a lot of the other camps saw we were a force in the industry and they adapted it to keep up not just to keep up, but to saw as intelligent, to see, you know, seen as an intelligent path to take. And, and I commend them for that too. That, that right there, the resorts take oh, the initiative yeah. of a no kill over the slot policy. And an 18 to 23 inch slot basically ensured that no less than nine, you know, less than 10% of the fish caught, you know, over 18 inches we being killed, harvested. Yeah, so it's not yeah, going to take awesome. rocket scientists to figure out how long. It took. Right, eagle has is such a it's such recuperative powers that now it's in the top three of all Ontario uh, fisheries as far as walleye populations. And the thing about muskies is that I'm I'm not so sure the 54 size limit really made the big difference. I think myself I don't I see that there's not as many pike as there was 35 years ago. And I think that really had a big
0: impact impact on on, on, on the numbers, side structure.
2: Yeah. So now besides the big fish that Eagle has always been known for and, and the potential by many that it could possibly produce, you know, another fish, you know, over 60 pounds, perhaps even in the world-class, um, size, um, is that there's not... Many, 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 I'm I'm going to have to say three times the numbers of fish, um, coming up as there was 25 25. years ago. 25, sure. So now a person it's, you know, can go out and reasonably expect to make contact with 35 to 48 inch fish. Um, you know, two, three, four fish days are not uncommon. And then, then you got wildest fish that just blow your mind. You know, so um, it, it's become a really, really unique fishery. And then the fact that it has everything between clear water to a coffee colored slob yeah. and everything in between within boating distance makes it a really unique fishery as far as the fishermen goes and their ability to make changes according to times of the year, uh, times of the day, uh, weather, uh, so on and so forth, you know. Um, that, that kind of gives you a, a real unique type of versatility right? if you, especially if you are aware of that and you use the lake like that, um, it's pretty neat, pretty
0: neat. So for those of you out there that aren't familiar with Eagle Lake, just uh, like how big is, what's the size of Eagle Lake for uh, those it's like that aren't
2: familiar? 85, eight, between 85 and 90,000 acres. It's, um. You know, eighty mile long. It's it's more of a kind of a
0: eighty miles uh, long. Yeah,
2: it's kind of a long serpentine drawn out yeah. type of different basins. You know, uh, of all different sizes and and yeah. uh, and stuff like that. So the neat thing yeah. of it is because of that, there's a lot of narrow areas, uh, literally
0: bottlenecks everywhere,
2: and thousands and thousands of islands. So regardless of, you know, like an example would be to compare it to like something like a giant Mille Lacs. It's not open like that in, right. in very many places. No matter, you know, in, in all them years, I can only remember one year that I did not think it was safe to go out and fish. Now, I'm a little bold. Sure. You know, <laughs> and, I, and I know how to use the lake and I don't fight mother nature. I I bend with her when she's angry.
0: Yeah. But
2: uh, because of the, the diversity and in narrows facing different directions and and different basins and and islands and stuff. There's very, very, if you fish it smart, you can fish in just about any type of wind. Yeah. And get by, get through the day and have good fishing opportunities at the same time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So basically the west end of the lake is, is your clear side. In the southeast end of the lake is is your dirty side, and then you've got a mix of that in between. So it's a very unique right. place. You know, if I had one place to go that I could fish seven days a week, that would probably be top of my list because you just have so many different options for water clarity, types of basins, and so on and so
2: forth. You know, and a neat thing, too, very seldom have I ever seen, even in the way more fertile sections of the lake, that nasty bloom, like sometimes you see sure. in other lakes like in in you know august going into september you know what i'm saying which is is nice too but
0: uh, like so lake of s- the
2: woods still have the color but you don't necessarily get that nasty nasty
1: bloom. Hmm. so gosh what a cool place so it's what twice the size of lake vermilion then i think isn't that's something like...
0: right i think mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think vermilion's 40 I've kind of sets up
1: the same, really. Yeah. I mean a little know, bit, other than of, the watercolor.
0: The thing of it is is wherever you are,
2: you don't have to fish the whole lake. You know what I mean? It's just available to you. So, you know, I mean there's there's great fish from one end to the other. Yeah. Um, there are some different strains, you know. I mean, the the clear water fish tend to be more um, you know, the the lightly barred or clear fish. And then as you as you get into the middle part of the lake, there's kind of a mix. And as you, you know, get farther down, it becomes more the, you know, the spots. Sure. You know, so uh, That's it's kind crazy. of a mix. And there's tigers too, because there's pike. Oh, there is tigers yeah. too. Those
1: tigers are incredible. What's the biggest in your boat?
2: Well, the biggest I've seen is 53 and a half myself. The biggest I've had is shy of 50 inches, but um, I, I've seen a lot of fish caught. You know, there's, there's usually, yeah. it seems September is the time when when uh, the tigers start really showing up, um, and it comes in spurts, you know. Oh, yeah. You, all of a sudden, there'll be, you know, a spurt of a couple weeks where tigers are being caught, and, you know, it's usually. So weird. It's usually not num- huge numbers, but, you know, yeah. there's usually summers between a half a dozen and a dozen were caught out of camp every year and and most of them were in that high 40 inch to 50 51 inch range you know
1: well those Um, are the most pretty ones too i mean those things are are crazy
2: that typical you know striped uh tigers but then there's a cross between the spots spots and the pike which make what we call
0: the leopard uh tiger yeah what i mean crazy patterns a lot more dots it seems on them which really makes sense a lot of blues blues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Well, it's pretty similar to those Lake St. Clair uh, muskies. True. Yeah. That's true. Those, those, yeah. those spotted fish are very gorgeous as well. Well, they're all kind of, odd. but, um, yeah, go from Northern Wisconsin to a uh, crazy lake like that. <laughs> That's gotta be, that had have been such a change.
2: Last year, of course, you know, I stayed in Wisconsin cause of the COVID, and I had a ball. I did. I really did. And, uh, Um, as we all know, most people know, I was going through some health issues with, you know, cancer and treatments and stuff. But, uh, as of, uh, my last scan, I'm in remission. So what I'm doing is I'm going to fish my prime times up at Andy Myers Lodge on Eagle, uh, last two weeks of July, uh, the whole month of August, all of October and the first week of November. Um, so, September, which is prime time in Northern Wisconsin, right yeah. I mean that's one of my favorite times. I caught most of my big fish in Northern Wisconsin last year came in September and end of September. So sounds familiar?
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then
2: uh, and then May, I'll be down May in the first two weeks of June. I'll be down in Southern Wisconsin up and up to the central part of Wisconsin. and then the last two weeks of June. Uh, first two weeks of July, I'll be in, in Northern Wisconsin. Um, most of September, the last half of September, I'm going to be in Northern Wisconsin, the first half I'll be, um, in south, southwest and, and central Wisconsin. So,
0: so yeah, before we miss mentioning, uh, Steve uh, has available guide dates, uh, here down in Wisconsin. I got a so, few in
2: May for uh, down here. I don't have any weekends left, I don't think, but always try because things move around here and there. I got a few days in May, uh, 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 one or two days in June, a couple days for the last part of June uh, in northern Wisconsin. The first half of July, I still have, you know, seven or eight days between the two and a half weeks and one weekend there. September is starting to fill up, but uh, there's a, you know, we can probably fit somebody in that's a little flexible. And uh, I mean, I, I just, it's, it was just a lot of fun. And this diversity of fish in Canada and down here and yeah. being able to be home a little bit and, yep. and then just,
0: you know. Extend your season a bit. Yeah. Mm.
2: And what I found, I mean, I, you know, it was a tough year last year with weather-wise, yeah. temperature and stuff like that. Still, I had a, a very good season. Um, what I saw in Northern Wisconsin, well, we know what's going on down here. There's a lot of great fish in Southern Wisconsin. Um, but what I saw up in Northern Wisconsin really, really enthused me. Um, I saw lakes that I felt were better shape, weed wise and stuff than they were 30 years ago when I right. left. Wow. Um, I would say maybe the numbers were of fish, but, um, I think a lot of that had to do has to do with. The killing years, and that that's you know down to about zero as far as catch and release in the last right. fifteen to twenty. And so I think every year, I think people are going to see a lot yeah. more mid forty to upper forty and fifty inch fish showing up in northern Wisconsin. Just because like to hear that. they glow that <laughs> they grow that slow, it takes that it time. takes that long to catch up. Yeah, and I think that's what's going on from what I've picked up from people that I expect yep. in the last four or five years that by fishing the right lakes that I, I saw, you know, I, I wasn't catching fish every day because I wasn't f- trying to do that. Right. But the average fish I caught, I caught very few fish under 40 inches up there this, yeah. this year. You know, they were most of them were really good fish, you know, 44 to 48 inch fish. And I caught a couple bigger and I uh, had a great time. Um, Chasing fish there, and 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 um, you know the lakes were all still where they used to be. The rocks were still where they used to be. Some of the weeds were better. The only problem I had was remembering where all the bullheads were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but I found them. Thanks for
0: GPS. Yeah, no, kid. right. It's amazing awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So folks, uh, a chance to fish with the living legend. I mean, you gotta you gotta give it a shot. Give him a call. See if you can get out and do that with him. Um, yeah, and, those are, course. and
2: those of you that are, are itching to get back to Canada, um, I know EML is filling up fast uh, just because there were so many people that kept their deposits turned sure. over and uh, stuff, but they were real busy from the time Canada opened last year. I was up for five days over Labor Day weekend. Went up uh, with a buddy of mine to to uh, see my boy and my grandkids and all the guys at the camp. and. And we got to fish a couple, three days and caught a couple of fish over 50. We had a, a six or seven fish day, wow. all know, over 42, 44 to 52. Nice. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And, and I, you know, personally, it was really neat because I didn't, I only saw one or two muskie boats in oh, three wow. days. I suppose now, I suppose. another thing, I don't believe that the pressure on those lakes are going to be near what it was pre-COVID. Because there's still 40 50 percent of 30 to 50 percent of people are not getting shots, and you do need don't yep. think you're going to get into Canada without getting your shots. It's a simple yeah, look. at yep. least at this point, right? That's the so. Fact. So, some of the resorts are you know coming back, some are going to have a harder time. I know AML is doing very, very well. I know he has some openings, prime time for musky season, um, the end of August and September. And there's a couple spots uh, in October. Yeah, as far as my bookings there, I'm pretty full. Except uh, the end of uh, August, I got a couple days. First couple weeks of uh, October, I got a couple days. And uh, but you know, just see you know, make the call. I'm sure Julian can move yeah. things around if you really want to fish with me. I can drop one day here or there move things around. My boy's always there to take, uh, take up some of my slack and there's, you know, a whole staff of great muskie guides there for sure. that are some of, some of the best in the country. So, um, you'll be taking awesome. good care
0: of there. Yeah. So going back to Eagle Lake, let's, um, I'm sure everybody wants to pick your brain. What, what it's, you know, give us kind of a typical rundown of the season out there for you.
2: Well, um, you know, the season is, opens is, late, in Canada, obviously, most people know it, doesn't open till the third week of June. So typically under some really, really severe conditions, which I've only seen once or twice in 30 years, you know, you, you have fish that are are recouped from spawning. Um, there's still that post-spawn bite that isn't utilized yeah. by a lot of people, that's a suspended deal. And, and uh, you know, it's just the basins are so big. Right, That the key to that pattern is you need to pick the smaller basins sure. that have within them a lot of spawning type of areas. And that's the key to make consistent success. You can go out and fish the bigger basins, you know, picking out the bait fish school, seeing where the seagulls are sitting all day because the the siskos the, the are blown. They know it. They're yep. waiting for them to come up. And those muskies will be around that area in the evening. Daytime, it gets to be a little tough, you know, but uh, unless you pick the smaller, I pick in the smaller basins, those last few years uh, before COVID, I did really well on on the suspended bite, you know. Um, But then again, you still have, it's not the only bite. I mean, the the weeds are starting to mature. There's a lot of fish using uh, the newly emerging, um, the weeds and some of my biggest fish early in the year, a season casting would come off of shallow rocks, um, <laughs> and, and points near, near oh, the of spawning bays and Island clusters and stuff. Um, they wouldn't be getting hit. People would be looking for weeds, right. you know, Island slots that are, have got, got some weeds coming up and then rocky current. points off, off the top of them with some current mm. would we'll draw, will draw them big fish into there too. Not all the Warm. fish. Not all of the fish are using that suspended, suspended, but suspended bite, but, but some are, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, there's always, you know, the water's still cool at the end of June, early July, you know, so there's suckers, you know, I even see whitefish cruising like little sharks on the oh, surface yeah. sometimes, Believe the fins it. out of the water. So, and that's in 10 to 12, 14 foot bays, that got mud bottom and and grass and weeds starting to come up, so the muskies use that. You know, don't be afraid to troll big mud flats that got grass that you see, like shag carpet stuff that are only 10, 12, 14 feet deep. That's totally overlooked. Sure, everybody's thinking that deep in between, sus- that, everybody's thinking that deep suspended bite or the traditional target casting, that type of stuff at the end of June, early July, is where the mayflies start hatching and where the mayfly larvae is. And then it it's full of young walleyes, suckers, the whitefish come in there perch. And there are a lot of muskies cruising and that stuff that people don't realize. Troll troll uh, stuff like your pelagics and, and big baits, not small baits, they, 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 they like the bigger baits. Short line, 10, 12 feet off of boards, you know, and you're going to be surprised what can happen
0: and stuff like that. That's kind of where we ran into that fish, Robbie, trolling the death paws down in Indiana was kind of that mid-depth right. flat. Yeah. Um, and that was a big upper 40-inch fish in the spring trip that yep. we took. Yep. Just yep. And then, of course, we talked about the mid-lake hump uh, and rock pile early in the season, the two biggest fish we moved down there. I mean, that's just a little lake in Indiana.
1: But, right, right. you know,
0: same thing. You said don't be afraid to hit those main rocky spots. Yeah, you know,
2: I like the stuff that's near spawning areas yep. and island clusters that are near them. But remember, when you have suspended basin fish, they still stop on them shallow bars out in the middle <laughs> of nowhere, too. They yep. just don't always stay out in the middle. Right. They're cruisers. Point. They stop. They like to hang out on the couch. They're bored. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so...
0: Um, <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, I, you know, I don't use a lot of real small baits, even from the start. I mean, I'm not saying I use all 12, 14-inch baits, but, you know, I, I don't, you know, I catch a lot of fish on jerk baits early besides the blades, yeah. you know. um,
0: uh, you know, their food is bigger up there you know, than, and, say, here. And the
2: thing about those flats, man, I mean, those flats that got the, that sometimes will have Weeds up to the surface in them in the summer, but a lot of them stay. Just that kind of that grassy stuff that only that only grows a foot or two. Sure, you know, and th- those kind of bays, that's where you're going to see tons of guys, long line trolling, spinner rigs. They're going to catch a hundred walleyes a day. A lot of them are twelve to sixteen inches. Besides the slot fish, you know, and believe me, I know you see studies that say muskies don't eat walleyes, but I'm telling you, they sure chase them and follow them around on Eagle. Where you see numbers of people fishing any time of the year, fishing walleyes, and are, and are, and are not fishing the big slot fish, but they're sure. catching a lot of them eater-sized fish, sure. fish it, there's muskies there.
0: Yeah,
2: It is one of my my seasonal patterns as we go through the year um, is to follow what the walleye fishermen are doing, and and I keep very close tabs with all the walleye guys at the camp, just what the walleyes are doing for that reason.
0: Sure, you know wow. if you're looking well, for you're not a big fish, that. that's <laughs> the place
2: to be. The food
0: chain.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll be times when the walleye guys will hook more, more, or have yeah. more muskies chasing and hook the walleyes and grabbing them than us guys fishing the oh, other yeah. stuff casting. Right. So when that's happening, man, get on it.
1: Get on it. So you're, uh, what about casting in that situation? Do you ever do that or is it mostly a trolling bite?
2: Uh, yeah, oh for sure. Especially with the breeze, you, you get a nice drift. Get a nice drift across them flats and fan yeah. cast them. one guy's casting off each end. Now the guy in the middle's picking the middle of the boat apart. You're you're covering a couple two hundred feet, you, like, you know what I mean? Do
1: you like keeping those baits high or oh, yeah. are you kind of just yeah, you don't up? have
2: to you don't have to worry about I mean, you're only in maximum 14 feet, most of the time sure. you're in less than 12. So, them, and them fish, them, you know, you got bugs hatching, you got, you got, you'll see schools of of, of, of small minnows yeah. just right below the surf. Them walleyes and, and stuff, and it's the suckers and perch and yeah. everything are coming up and down. Them muskies are looking for stuff that way. Right on. So, um, it's, it's you know, little... you don't have to, you don't have to, it doesn't hurt to maybe run a bait here or there, particularly after sure. cold fronts ticking the tops of the weeds, you know, like some rubber or or a crankbait or something, to, you know, rip crankbait twitching the tops of the weeds and stuff. But for the most part, I don't worry about it too much when I'm fishing that pattern. My, my thoughts are in warm water periods, I like to fish from the surface down. In the cold water periods, I like to fish from the bottom up. Sure. And, I mean, there's always, yeah. nothing is 100% when it comes to muskies, but I think it's a good place to start, you know, with that kind of mentality, thinking. That's a
0: good way to put it. I like you that. Know? That is, that's yep. ridiculously good. You just good. set a mouthful right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jot that one down for everyone listening. I mean, that's. And to
0: be honest,
2: it really was, I mean, I've lived by it, but it was mentioned to me years ago by somebody that we both know very, very well that I used to fish with a lot. And you kind of made that s- statement, you know, on a buzzed up night and it kind of stuck <laughs> with me. And that was Makes seven.
0: sense. Oh, is that right, Vaughn? Yeah. Sure. Badass. Yep. Yeah, he's a good kid <laughs> no doubt.
2: Yeah. So that kind That's of stuck awesome. with me and then I really explored it more, you know, in the last 20 years. And, I mean, this was 30 years ago.
0: Oh, so.
2: yeah. And, uh. And uh, I've really explored it, kind of lived by it, uh, really watched that. And it really holds true to, for me.
0: So what about summertime on Eagle? That's probably the most, or definitely the most uh, popular time to come visit yep. Eagle Lake. Yep. And there's tons
2: depth. of target fishing that Canada is famous for. There's beautiful weed beds, you know, um, lots of lots of rock structure and, and, you know, stuff that you can visually, if your first time there with a map, You can literally, there's a lot of, what a lot of places have done because there is so many rocks is that most of the resorts, because of the expense of having boat insurance for the rental boats, they just can't afford it. Everybody goes out and puts jugs on rocks. Yeah. Okay. If I wasn't, didn't hadn't owned a resort there for them years, if I wasn't guiding there, I would never have done that. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, seriously, (laughs) in the summer months, you literally could run the jugs. And then take islands, and just take every island and fish around it at 12 to 18 feet, and you'd be in good musky water. Every island you pick just about will have some fingers, Spot. will have some uh, cabbage or, you know, something. You know, there'll be different things around it. that, And you can fish it fast, you can fish cluster. Find clusters of islands and fish them. You're going to find slots. You're going to find neck down areas. You're going to find fingers. You're going to, you'll, you'll find high spots in between them. You know, there's just the more, any time in the summer months too, any time in the summer months when you're looking for stuff to fish versus a single rock out in the middle of the, of the bay or, or, a, or the basin, you know, which can still hold fish occasionally. Look for the more clusters, and the more multidimensional types of islands and things and and points and bars and clusters, the more complex an area is, the more chances fish are there a lot. You know, and numbers of them. Sure. Not just one fish.
1: So more sitting spots. Yeah.
2: And and you know, and going back to that walleye thing, you know, there'll be times, you know, when especially after them walleyes make that first big push out to the basin after the Mayfly actually is done. Then it's about a two a ten day week, two week period where the fish move from from the flats and stuff and they and and there's still some fish always use the weeds, but the major portion start moving towards the basins and in and and the rock piles and stuff out in the basins. And there's always some suspended fish out there with the Cisco's and stuff. But once that first big push, you they the the bite just goes nuts on on uh, humps and reefs that you know top well you'll even catch fish down on down on deeper humps twenty but, foot yeah, reefs yeah. even but for the most part they'll be fishing that you know twelve to twenty foot depth and when that happens and you see all the wildlife fishermen hitting, hitting all the mid lake humps and numbers of them and guide boats and stuff like that that first push is when that reef rock bite is Unbelievable. I mean, there can be huge numbers of big fish per spot on them spots. Yeah, big ones too. Big ones too. And then after that, is that like mid July
0: water times?
2: Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, around the second, third, yeah, second, third week of July. Usually Mayfly hats is over with around the end of the first week of July. Okay. So, for beginnings of second week of July, something like that. And once that ends, Man, it's pretty cool. And then, then after that, you know, there'll be you know walleyes do a lot of different things. But right. for the most part, you'll see the guides and the and the walleyes being on deeper humps and stuff like that. And that gets totally overlooked by muskie fishermen on Canadian waters almost exclusively. And well, it's, it's not, not as fun. A... <laughs> yeah, yep, 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 it's different. And and you know some of these some of these reefs will have high spots of of eight, uh, say fifteen feet, okay. But then a whole lot of it will be much deeper,
0: 20, twenty, thirty.
2: And the only spot that'll get hit is that high spot.
0: Yeah.
2: And and I'll, there'll be times when I run down the middle the lake and fish nothing but walleye humps that are deeper than twelve feet, even you know, even even down to 25, 28 feet. You know what I mean? I don't fish my baits really, really deep when I'm over the deeper humps. You know, not not much more. I You know, I'll work rubber baits down around 15 to 18, but not much deeper than that. If those fish are hunting, they'll come up. Yeah. If that's a fish that's actually hunting, they'll come up after. it. Now, you know, later in the summer, when the thermal client starts going down, then I will vertical jig that stuff too. Another thing is when I see walleye boats, three, four, five walleye boats, I'm telling some shit I shouldn't be saying. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you uh,
1: are.
2: (laughs) But I've always given away a lot and, and it comes back. People, right, for people. sure. So, but <laughs> when I see four or five walleye boats on a reef, and and they've been there, and they're all hammering, they're all hammering, you know. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. They're all, especially the guide boats, and they're hammering. Well, they're catching a lot of fish that are, you know, twelve to the year classes coming up are unbelievable. Besides the huge number of slot fish and eagle, I mean, somebody in camp all the time. Is boating thirty inch, twenty eight to thirty two inch fish. Giants. I mean, you, you'll get awesome. shots of But there's so many year classes coming up because there's so much spawning on eagle. Everything, everything from creek spawners to shoal spawners. Always something is happening, regardless if the creeks are dry. There's a great shoal and shoreline sure. type of spawning going on. If it's all happening, then that's a year class that's unbelievable. You know yeah. what I mean? So. There's always so many year classes, but the, what I was getting at is those walleye guys are catching a lot of fish that they're releasing, and, and quite a few. I mean, there's a percentage of them are going to be gut and throat hook because they're using Lindy rigs and stuff yeah. like that in minnows, right? So they're fish. they're sending down these <coughs> these fish, and what yeah, I what was, and I believe the muskies have got conditioned to the point where where they hear them boats. And they come to the reefs.
0: Sure. They,
2: I mean, because I'm serious. Because, not, yeah, I'm serious. I believe it's a conditioned thing. They got that. I think that has something to do with why the muskies eats walleyes a lot. It's so easy for them. They don't have to chase out in the open after white fish and wait for them to come up above the thermocline yep. in the evening. They they can go and it's happening. Okay. Easy
0: pickings.
2: Easy pickings. And a lot of them are spinners down there. Them little walleyes, and it's just easy. Easy picking. And when I see walleye boats start leaving, one leaves, another one leaves, another one leaves, the bite's slow down and they go, and why? Usually because there's one or a pack of fish have been drawn to that hump Jeez. because of all the activity.
1: makes sense. Not only the
2: boat, but the activity of all those fish, tail Coming beating, yeah. tail beating, vibrations, uh, distress signs and, and stuff. And, it's kind of like feed a trout pond, I think. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think they fish those, and catfish ponds, you see that. Great. You know, they fish get conditioned well. That's they the know. same thing. They know. They're way sharper than people give them credit for. They know, they don't want to work any harder than they have to. And when that happens, I run to those spots, start throwing rubber and stuff. But I love vertical jigging, uh, vertical baits under that situation. And and bouncing, ripping them up six eight feet, and then just letting them buckle, spin down and stuff. And I'm telling you, if there's a muskie moved up on that hump, be, and that and that's what's happened when the guys left, you don't have to be there very long. Yeah, them, fish seek they you out. Tell you. They seek you out. It doesn't take long at all. That so if you're fun. there 15 minutes and it has nothing happened, get get off because the the fish it just moved happen. off the hump, and that's why the walleye guys left. But if these ah. You know, you, I don't want I to get in right in amongst guys, and I right, could because right. you get the glare and stuff, you know, at you. Unless right. it's your own guys, you know. Like sometimes it will be four or five of my guys. I'll get a call. I'm on speed dial now with them boys. Yeah, we just had a big one chasing a walleye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like i awesome. I'll be right <laughs> over there, you know. So that That's that awesome. kind of stuff works. I'm not kidding you. That networking like that because they oh, do I'm use sure. them. They do use them up at that same time. You've got beautiful cabbage beds. You've got beautiful rocky points that are easy to see coming off of fi- points of islands and off of mainland shorelines. Steep rocky shorelines with big timber that's really overlooked. You Big timber, falling down big, big pine trees along steep shorelines. Sure. Not just in the fall, all summer. Sure. You know, and anytime you see a place where you go along a shoreline that's really, really, really steep, then all of a sudden it kind of gradually flattens out right where that transition is. When there's a tree there, there will be a big fish. In
1: that's, yeah. that's awesome. This is perfect. a lot of information, Herbie. Uh, I was going to ask, what's your uh, favorite? Uh, one of your favorite um, jigging baits? Like a fuzzy does it kind of do you? Or?
2: Yeah, I like the ripping dogs. I like the bondies, yeah. and I like the heavy tubes. You know, if I'm really yeah. bouncing a lot, um, you know, I'll take the front hook off and put that big shark hook on the back. You miss a fish here and there, but not too often, not too often. They, Cause they suck that thing right, you know, in and you hit them hard, you'll get them, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, I use, I use a lot of the vertical baits that everybody's using.
1: Nothing, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right on.
2: Nothing magic. I got a couple walleye, a walleye, uh, um, Ripping dog that looks like you gave it to a Doberman, man. And I, <laughs> okay. yeah, That's I awesome. I glue so much together. Deep, deep
0: rips. Sure. That, yeah,
2: you know. yeah. They're
0: eating them out there. It's not yeah. like you get fish coming in, chasing a bucktail. and No, no. They, when
2: those fish are there, they're there. Very seldom do you, do you just get fouls and stuff. You know, Once in a while you will, but it's a very aggressive foul, and you just got to be good at the bolt because you can tr- trigger them if it is a foul. One thing I do do is I put a size bigger blade on the on the uh on the on the bondies and the ripping dogs so that I get kind of a side falling sure. out of it not just this I want that bait a to more kind flutter. of yeah I want it to get do a little bit more of that a little bit slow down of the of the fall with the flutter to it it seems to make a difference for me
1: That's cool <laughs> Yeah <laughs> that's that's,
0: that's not something you would hear most you know musky guys going to Canada thinking about is casting or or jigging both in that uh you know 15 to 25 30 feet of water it's just no you pull up to a two-foot rock bar and that's what you do right so
2: and those there's plenty of fish using that that still
1: works right (laughs) there's plenty of fish
2: using that stuff don't get me wrong um and the thing that i think is overlooked a lot on eagle but it's becoming a little bit more mainline because of me and my other guides and my boy and that that you know we picked up on it over the years is that you know it's so well known on Lake of the Woods to fish current and narrow areas and stuff and there's more natural current you know on on Lake of the Woods than Eagle right. but anytime you got wind out of certain directions there's there's a lot of narrow areas on Eagle that the wind generated current will really push fish into
0: yeah so. Wind.
2: So, um, big, you know, and and that it looks more like traditional fall type of rocky wall type of stuff. Sure. Then there's some narrows that are the shallow sand with weeds and stuff that are, you know, really, you know, really easy to, you know, understand and and recognize. But there's some stuff that looks like just fall stuff, sheer, where you're right. oh, half a cast away, you're over 30 feet of water but it's narrow and there's current coming through and then fish really use that type of uh, stuff. Um, And and when you're fishing that stuff, like when there's not a current going through it, you'll find that, you know, the fish can be just about anywhere, you know, along those rock walls. But when there's a current going through, it's really important to look for any crack or any projection in the wall because that current really rips down through them But way more than you think. Yeah. And they like to be right behind any boulder or any, anytime there's a crack in the wall, there'll be boulders down there. They'll lay right along, right tight to the wall, but they want that current to go over the top of them. Just kind of like the same stuff you see in a river.
0: It's a river within the lake. Yep. Yep. That's what I've always thought of when you get big wind-induced currents like that. The bigger the water, it seems like almost the more important it is sometimes. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep.
2: Well, there's, there's so much there, you know, that you, it's hard to really move around a lot because everything looks so good. <laughs> now the stuff that's classic stuff that everybody tells you about, you know. That
0: Typical summer type
2: structure. You know, the name spots, then you'll tap that sometimes it might, they might get fished five, six times in a day by different people from different resorts or whatever. Um, You still got to stop and fish them because they're, they, they're them type of spots because fish are always swimming by them and stopping at, you know, they're in, they're in the migration pattern of the bait fish for that. And sometimes a spot will be really, really good, you know, for a year, you might catch four or five 50 inch fish off of it. And then the next year, because that year we had a lot of north, northwest, west winds, which is typical in the summer months. Like I remember three, four years ago, God, the summer was just nothing but east and southeast winds. Well that changes the currents in the lake. It changes how the bait fish move around the basins that thus it changes where the muskies stop to wait for them. So when that happens, that's when secondary spots can become your primary spots. Sure. So you know you just gotta kind of, you know, A lot of times, some spots that look as good as the name spots aren't as consistent until something like that happens. Sure. So if if things aren't normal, then don't be, and you're you're finding the name type of spots are are tough. Just don't think the bite is off because there'll be other stuff that, that the fish are concentrating on because everything is different. You know, it's, wow. it, it, that's what makes it so cool is that I always try to fish something new every day and I have for
0: 30 years. Wow.
2: You know, and that's and, a lot of spots in of some stuff, some stuff doesn't ever pan out. And some stuff is now primary spots that would never be a fish 30 years ago. Sure. And now they're on everybody's cause you know, it right. goes everywhere because everybody passes information around. but, uh. Right. You know, there's still spots that aren't being fished. And as musky fishermen become more and more knowledgeable, I mean I wouldn't say there's more musky fishermen than there was before. They're just sharper. Sure. Okay. Oh yeah.
0: Fishermen are way better. They're just
2: sharper and they and they and they pick things up and pick things out better. Um but uh you know, so I think that's when it becomes even, you know, more important to, to fish new stuff, to, to look for new stuff, you know, because as those prime spots get hit, yes, they will still use them. And another thing, those prime spots, what I try to do on them is leave them alone until it's perfect. Sure. Until sure. everything is perfect, like a like moon phase and combined with the weather change or a, or a moon phase combined, like, uh, the, you know, the full moon, uh, you know, and darkness, you know what I'm saying? stuff like that, a weather change with, you know, with morning or evening, something that makes more than one thing, the best it can be. And that's when I hit the main spots because that's when i fish that I've seen baits fairly often will make their mistake. Finally commit. Yeah,
0: hmm. yeah.
2: Otherwise you're just worried about going there because somebody else may get there. All you're doing is help educate
0: them. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree sure. there. Sure. So like, as far as your summer lure lineup, for your primetime summer fishing, what would be kind of a a breakdown percentage wise, like rubber, topwater blade crankbait? Like what would kind of be the breakdown possible? I know it's different every
2: year, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But you know, under stable conditions and things are happening, well, not necessarily stable, but good fish are moving, Yeah. like not, not just like they should, you know, and, or the bite's real hot. It's tough to beat blades on eagle. Yeah. they in the, in the warmer periods, they really love blades. But then again, I don't like having everybody in the boat throwing the same thing. Right, yeah. If it is an obvious blade bite only, you know, I mean, you still there's still gonna be exceptions to every rule. But then I try to make sure I, I change the blades as I move through the progression in the boat. I usually use a smaller, you know, faster blade the first bait through, trying to get those nippers and stuff like that. I don't like to have like a double ten or a nine ten or something like that the first bait through it. If a guy up in front can read water that you put them through and puts his baits where there should be, the guys behind him are, are gonna be in trouble yeah you know? <laughs> <Beautiful>. yeah. <No. laughs> yeah so so uh um then I'll go to a more aggressive blade as we as, as we move through and maybe the last. Bait will be a total different type of a blade, like a spinner bait or something that I can yo-yo and work deeper or sure. something like that. But typically, I like, a, I like, you know, a blade, uh, a rubber bait or a jerk bait, and then a top water, and that's kind of like how I like to start. And that jerk bait can be a middle bait, it can be a side-to-side bait, sure. it can be a, a rise
1: a dive bait.
2: bait. You just kind of play around. And one thing I think. With, with so many baits available so many pretty colors and everything to everybody you know it's you know people love to love to change baits you know and um i think it's really more important to pay attention to what the fish are telling telling you to the style of bait i see sometimes colors make a big difference but for the most part the style of bait is what and what the fish tell you there's so many people have so many baits that they you know, that they just want to use them all. You
0: know what I right. mean? And and I mean, that's what makes the world go round. It's very right. You ought to know that as a bait <laughs> right? maker. But, but when they're on a certain lure style, you better be on that program. Exactly. And you can
2: only, and sometimes like, especially if I have three people plus myself in my bull. Yeah. Then I take, I like, I'll take one guy that I think, you know, is pretty aggressive and I'll just cut him loose. Sure. I won't even govern what he puts on. Sure. And the other two guys plus me will do what I think works. And it's amazing how sometimes I'm digging in my archives, looking for something the next that, that worked that day, you know, sure. so, so you do have to let the fish tell you, you know, don't, what I'm getting at is don't have pre notions of it's supposed to work. Right. Yeah. You know, start with someplace. If it isn't, you know, happening, you know, don't be afraid to change, but I don't like changes in the middle of spots, you know, things like that. You know what I mean? Once I get to a spot I hate to see if somebody pick up a bait, start sharpening it while I'm halfway through the spot before sure. it gets on his line. You know, because if a to be honest, there's preferences on baits and when certain baits can be so overpowering. But if a fish is hunting, it probably isn't gonna matter that much. Sure. If you find the right fish and it's a big fish and it's hunting, it's probably gonna you know, it's probably going to do its thing, you know?
0: So what about top waters in the sun? Will they hit them when it's sunny? Oh, on, I, on
2: I love side to side stuff up on eagle. But I could, you know. Walk the dog. Oh, uh, walk the dog, pisses them off, man. And you will, okay. you will catch fish that follow baits in front of you on, on side to side baits. Sure. Um, so. I mean, I, I love I love them. And it, towards the evening, I I've caught a lot of big fish that I saw during the day on creepers.
0: Sure,
2: especially in the clear water, they love them creepers. Mm, interesting, you know. And I, one thing that I don't think is used enough is the flat tail style baits on Eagle. Sure, they're not used enough. Because, it's slow. Well, and and people like to fish in Canada. Typically, people like to fish aggressively. Yep. You know, and that's, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta be slow and you gotta be methodical. So a good creeper or a, or a, or a, a hog wobbler, wobbler. Type, hog, hog wobbler type of bait guy is the guy to put the, the splash tail on a guy that can't hardly make the tail spin on um, a bucktail or, or on a, on a <laughs> tail bait, like yeah. a chopper. One that can't make one of them spin. That's who you put the right, right. <laughs> you can tell what kind of guy
0: can manage going that slow. Yeah,
2: yeah. No you look doubt. at his reel. You know, you look at it, you know, if he get, gets tired easy, that's, that's a great thing to
0: put the splash through. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, that's my new flap tail, uh, pelagic flap, by the way, that, uh, that'll be out probably when this video comes out. So anyhow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they will, you, you really like walk the dog for a daytime, sunny presentation. But I'll be surface.
2: honest with you. I've caught
0: a lot of fish even on baits. Sure. You know. Early season, too. I know you had some big fish on choppers early in the season.
2: Yeah, but even in the summer months, it don't bother me to throw a topwater. Not at all. You know, not at all. Even on flat, sunny days. But I do like, I do like not the side-to-side baits, you know, but the tail baits, especially when there's a chop. Sure. And sunny, sunny, windy days over shallow rocks, you know, and, and weeds and points and stuff like that especially the last bait through i've seen i've seen fish that will come unglued on them. you know so so
1: should we get to the yeah that should we get to the best part of the year when you start getting those august cold fronts is that a pretty good time
2: yeah yeah but you know
1: or as
2: as once once we get down into september um yeah. and and we drop into the you know 60 and below unlike sure. some of the you know patterns you see like in 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 some places, especially in northeastern Wisconsin and and Minnesota, especially, uh, where they get that 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 even fi- even even fifty degree and lower bite on top waters, you know, like yeah. you, I just don't see that much sure on really eagle on hot flat sunny days. They'll be after the side to side beats again. <laughs> um, I, I usually my best my best uh, success with. With top waters on Eagle, uh, other than hot, flat, sunny days uh, in the fall, um, um, you know, have been 60 degrees or above.
1: Sure. Okay. So, like, what end of August kind of deal? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, all yeah, summer. Yeah. You know. Sure. Right from the get go. Right from opener all through the summer. You know. Um, uh, it's just. Uh, and maybe, maybe I'm not using them enough when it gets cold because I've had a couple years. And to be honest, we even had a couple of years, about five, six, seven years ago, where topwaters weren't that good. And then now sure. they're picking up, really being hot again. Why? I don't know. You know, maybe there's not as much duck hatcheries, go, hatching going on because of cold fronts and they died.
0: Who knows? I don't right. know what it is. Weather, whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you were saying, Robbie, you were just kind of asking, do you see that big movement, a uh, pull of yeah. fish up shallow when you get those first you know 40 degree nights
1: oh yeah like sand sand bite was there a good sand bite up there
0: it's On hot days Sunny really days. <laughs> so not
1: not during the cold fronts then no nope. so much
2: nope. Huh. Nope. <laughs> I, I, what, my my gig is is the, is i when it's sunnier especially when there's wind i get up shallower and when i get cold fronts i fish the same stuff but i fish the break
1: Okay. I, I yeah, have, well, Not that huh. I don't
2: throw up to the top, but I yeah, pull yeah. myself out farther, and I start working my baits, you know, down in a hop, st- a stairway pattern down the brakes a little bit more. Um, um you know, we and to, and to be honest, we there's only a few places on Eagle where we really have a lot of that sand. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And when it comes towards fall, we're you know we're fishing any green. Weeds that are, places where there was sand or where there is sand usually had weeds on them and they're starting yeah. to really, as you, as the water temperature starts dropping, those are usually in big open areas and those weeds deteriorate and get beat up by the weeds really fast. As I get later, most of the best weeds are in more secluded slightly harder bottomed areas, and they're more protected from the wind. And those type of weeds stay green a lot longer and usually have some brown tobacco shallower in conjunction with them that the fish really like to use. But once I, you know, and and I don't fish a lot of weeds under cold fronts um, in the fall, um, unless, you know, we get a warm up and we start to get sun. Then they seem to start using, the fish will move into the weeds not that they aren't there not that you right. couldn't catch them I'm trying to fish the highest percentage once we start getting below 60 degrees man I'm fishing a lot of rocks both deep okay. and shallow but particularly the shallow ones again before the lake turns over the shallow reefs again
0: wow
2: because you know the walleyes have really dropped down a lot like 30 35 even 40 45 feet at that time wow uneven you know for the most part so I kind of um Look more for the stop signs and the couches. you
1: got to catch some giant pike in those weedy spots in September, I bet. <laughs>
2: right after the lake turns over and and really, and really drops down below 50, then we have pikes show up uh, and, and they uh-huh. drive you nuts if you're running. So there's some parts in the lake that I just will not even run a sucker because they're too expensive. Yeah, like- and the best one you put down is whack. 40, uh, 38 to 42-inch pike's going to
0: Well,
1: <laughs> to some.
2: <laughs> a lot of our pike, that's what's changed. But a lot of the pike on Eagle, except in the real shallow, dark sections of the lake, are are primarily a deep-water pike. Right after spawning, they go deep. And most of the big pike all summer long that are caught, you'll catch the occasional weirdo that slides up on a reef, particularly under cold fronts when the water sure. drops three or four degrees for a period of a few days, a big pike could show up shallow here and down. But for the most part, most of the big pike, the 36 to 45 inch pike that are caught are mostly caught on big chubs and dace and suckers by walleye fishermen fishing deep.
0: 25
2: tough, 45. Wow. Yep. And then when that lake turns over, then the big pike all of a sudden are all over the rocks and stuff, you know
0: in numbers so well i guess we can move on to fall
1: fall what? what'd you say this is your favorite time you get scared going out there i love I, <laughs> thinking fall <is> <laughs> thinking big mama's gonna yeah, show up
2: Yeah, yeah. but i will tell you that august that that end of july first of august all through august is, is great time too but um yeah. it, it just seems to narrow things down for me in the fall you know uh where to fish particularly once the lake is fully turned over um a lot of the fish particularly the the the, my gig is is i love casting in combination with live bait okay i love that because there's fish there that i'm fishing that are 50 to 56 inch fish and there's possibly possibilities of even better that i've seen that have been around for 25 30 years that are that are sharp they've seen baits regardless regardless if there isn't near as much pressure you know as there is in Southern Wisconsin Northern Wisconsin Minnesota they still have been around the block plus those kind of fish regardless protect themselves they're never really you know that Dumb. foolish you know what <laughs> I'm saying and they're just a different breed of animal and and fish that I've seen occasionally or fish that I've heard about other guides seen occasionally on a certain spot through the course of the season. That tells me that's one of their stop signs, okay? Sure. And when I put a live bait in front of those fish, the the one time I stop there and she's there, when I have a cherry live uh, sausage on and I get that in front of them, that's when I pop a lot of those fish that otherwise are almost uncatchable.
0: Sure. i yeah. artificial artificial. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: And I love that. So, um, when, for whatever reason, sometimes there's a whole lot of wind for a week or two and the trappers can't get, can't fly into the lakes that they're trapping the suckers on and we start rub, uh, running low on live baits. I won't just cast in the fall with, with either, Im, you know, not good live bait or no live bait, I won't just cast. I will then troll. Just try to cover more ground, um, bounce bottom, try to trigger fish. I do most of my trolling up there in the fall. Um, I do with, uh, you know, a lot of flat side stuff, a lot of flat sides, uh, some minnow baits, you know, but a lot of flat sides. um, And I bounce a lot of bottom, you know, from, from eight to 18 feet. A lot of that's what I do. Um, occasionally, okay. I'll, where there's real steep breaks and I can have a board on the outside, I'll run a, uh, a bait down 18 to 24, you know, out off the break uh, while I'm bouncing on the bottom. Or if there's a fairly steep edge, um, I may I may run a board right along the edge with only 10, 12, 14 feet out on a bait bouncing up so shallow I while I'm know, all at, you know, I might not even be able. I might be more fourteen to twenty because the breaks real fast, you know, or a rock wall, you know. So I do some different things, but uh, it's it's basically um, working those edges and, and trying to and I and trying to make contact. I very seldom, even with even with uh, rods that are on boards, I have the guy hold the rod and pump the board um, when you're when you oh yeah pump the board yeah. let it fall flat back. Or slack line, and you see the board stall, you know that that bait's just sitting there. I like suspending baits even when I'm casting in the fall, too. Um, I like to make them suspend for split seconds a lot. My opinion is since we can only use one rod in angler in Canada legally, um, um, you can catch probably more fish with one rod in angler's hands than two in a rod holder. So by working the bait, sure, by working the bait. And not only that, but you don't snag. You just don't snag as much because we, I like to bounce bottom as much as possible. Like anytime I I want the beats running. So when I come up over over a high spot, it's ticking it. And as it comes off. So, so when they start ticking, I have the guy stand up and hold his rod up, and bang, 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 you feel it quit ticking, or it's ticking lighter, and it's it's making it walk over the top, and then as it quits ticking, you drop till it's ticking again, and when you're down and it quits ticking totally, you oh. bang, bang, you either hit it, or you bang, 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 and then let it hang for a second, and they grab it. So, a lot of times, they'll chase them beef, bouncing baits off the top, and grab them as they come off, you know, or the fish is... Hearing that commotion and they're right off the edge, and that fish comes off, and you quick pump it a couple of times and let it hang for just a split second, and that gets them to go. So, wow. I think bouncing bottom with a rod in your hand is critical. When you're not bouncing bottom, you're going from spot. I really, so I usually try and pick long areas that I control, or I pick clusters of. Stuff that I hard that I don't have to take my baits out of the water, right. so I could still pick the part a little bit of suspended stuff in between because fish are moving from spot to spot all the time. You know yeah. they got to move. They don't just click their heels and move to where they want to go. They have to swim right. to the next spot. So um, I like to be in, in 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 clusters of areas so that I can without taking my baits out, we can go across. And even when we're going across open water, I've guys pumped the baits. Sure. You know, dot to dot to dot, yep. working.
1: What's your uh, favorite speed during that time of year?
2: Um, until the water gets below forty, I like about three point five to three point seven, three point eight. I I'm okay, okay with three point four, but once I get below forty, I like
1: two point eight to three point two. Sure, right on. Wow. Oh. Okay. Cool. Wow. I I can only imagine what that feels like. <laughs> While you're bouncing a rock and you just get smashed. That has to be quite the scary feeling.
2: A guy that, Once a guy gets really good, you can bounce that snaggy rock stuff, you know, yeah. really well by lifting the rod and walking yeah, it over. Yeah. And if you do snag, a guy that's, once he gets the act down and quick just drops the rod, rod yes. back into a slack, you know, and you're using the right baits, most of them will come yeah. out. And I'm going to tell you one thing, if you're going to troll up there in the fall, Invest in a really good plug knocker because mine has probably saved me five
0: thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because there are times when you will snag. Oh, are yeah. you trolling braid primarily, or are you using mono on your yeah. board rods, or I, I, what's your I'm program using, there?
2: I'm using thirty to forty pound mono on my board rods and and braid. Um, on your down on, on my down rods. Okay.
1: Yeah. Right on. Wow. Well, that was a lot of info, Herbie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else you can really cover. It's pretty awesome.
2: <laughs> A lot of it pops up as you go through the days and the seasons and right. it's always something new. That's the thing about musky fishing. If you're you're still in the the same stuff that you did twenty years ago, you're behind the game.
0: Well, what about since uh live bait has definitely been your forte? Maybe I don't know, tell us one more cool thing about live bait fishing that might be of interest, something that comes to your mind, well, that you can share with okay people.
2: well, I'll tell you, you know the most common uh, way to run a live bait for a lot of people is just to put a bobber out behind the boat now i I don't know if I've hardly ever used a bobber in Canada now, I used a bobber quite a bit last fall because I was around a lot of weed edges. You know that coontail and milfoil that stayed green and right up through right. October,
0: November. In, you know, in Wisconsin,
2: in Wisconsin, right. So, yeah. but very seldom do I use a uh, do I use a bobber um, because usually we can only run you know one live bait and that's mine because right. I got guys casting unless right. there's you know an older guy in the boat or somebody that's got you know physical limitations you know then he, uh, you know he'll run a live bait with me or a vertical jig you know. To, Try to bring some fish closer to the live baits, also. But uh, um, what I do a lot is is if I'm moving fast, I'll run you know a bait with a with a short rod that I can leave right close to the edge of the boat, right below the boat, so I can watch it the whole time on my on my locator, you know. And when a person um, so I can see if a fish is chasing it to be, and I always keep a rod in my hand. I like to keep the bait off balance. I like to feel what that fish bait's telling me. You know, I know the li- A lot of people are saying I don't. I haven't. I haven't made the decision to go to live scope yet. I've kind of resisted it because I like the transmission of thought and, and trying to figure yep. out what's yep. going on. It just makes just makes what musky fishing is to me. I'm not saying I won't eventually give in. But I uh, haven't so far. But you know oh, what a lot sure. of people are seeing on live scope. I think I can tell. Yeah, not only just, just by feeling, and, guaranteed, and even, guaranteed, even a, even a sixth sense too. You know, just yeah. by the bait and and yeah. and and everything else. You know, because one thing I think is really important is bait. Live baits are expensive, but don't if you're going to go live bait, have a lot of them, and they're not all created equal. And just because they're expensive, don't be afraid to put on one that's a champion. Because the difference between that and a lazy bait is you can't even compare them. You cannot even compare them, which one's going to get a bite. I can almost call it when I put it in the water, yeah. which one's going to get a bite. You know? Sure. So, and which one's going to tell you what's going on? Which one's going to tell you that there's a lazy fish following it But God damn it, I'm scared shitless, and I you know, but it did bite it. You know, so I'll come back and work
1: that area again, sure. And
2: one thing you got to watch out is when you're running live bait and you can tell a fish is probably on the bait is just resist lifting it up to look. Hmm. Resist lifting it up to look because very seldom once you bring that bait up where you can see it and the fish is behind it do you catch that fish. Sure. Leave the bait down there to make the wrong move. Speed the maybe speed the boat up and then pause. I like to run my baits in like in like ten foot bursts and then stop. So they lift up and then free swim down. Move forward, stop. Move forward, stop. Let the bait rise up to where fish could see it from a bigger distance, and then swim to want to get down close to the bottom. Most of the time, I run most of my baits fairly close to the bottom, within three feet. At the very most do I run, you know, run them any, any, you know, I don't higher. run much higher than yeah. that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll braise them up by using sure. the boat. And on real clear sunny days or in clear parts of the lake, in clear parts of the w- lake, that does not work very well. Okay. Um, it works really well where the water has some color to it or it's a real dark, nasty, windy day or something like that. But in the clear parts of the lake, I free line baits back as far as 70, 80 feet with no weight at all. No weight at all and move slow, stop, let them swim. They'll always stay out because they'll always want to go to the edge of the structure. Sure. The bait, when it's free like that without a weight, will always want to get where it feels safe. Yeah. It'll want to go towards you, always see. And particularly if you're running an edge and you got the wind coming into that edge like you like to have, right? That also causes that bait because of the current from the wind and the bait's natural movement to go that way. You'll see your line go at an angle towards the bait. The only thing about, you gotta be really ready. Like when I'm doing that, I have my kicker on at all times in neutral. So when I do get a hit, I just, I don't try to turn the boat around with the trolling motor and get everybody's lines in and all that. I immediately get to my kicker put it in reverse and head straight to that fish so that I can do that hook set within about 10 or 15 seconds. Because yeah. I'm back there a ways. And I'm telling you, in clear water, that that's what I call my search and destroy line. That, that seek and destroy line, um, and not only that, but when a fish chases in in clear water, it doesn't bite. Okay, then I'll icon it on my screen and I'll get to where I know I got that much line out on my line counter. I'll stop there and let that bait just swim. I'll let that bait just swim there. I'll pull it up real high to get it to swim. And then I'll just let it swim. And it'll swim off in five to ten, fifteen foot circles around it. And sure. A lot of times I'll get that fish. Because by that time, if that fish was had any sense of anything because of the boat or the movements of the angler, they forgot about it by then. Sure. And I catch a lot of big fish in clear water doing that.
0: Um That would be cool to watch. That's really uh, a yeah, no enlightening bidding. technique for sure. Wow. <laughs>
2: and then along, and then along walls, I use boards. That's really cool. Bringing them out off of any projections, you know. And then as you get, there's a dip, feeding it out, speeding the boat up so it digs. It gets right in there right. in the current <laughs> stuff. And most of the time, I don't use any weight at all on a board either. I'll, I use double what I think line is the depth of the yeah. water, so that when I stop, the fish can swim down. But a lot of times, those fish are going to, those bait are, are only going to be along that wall. You got to watch out. You got to keep moving because they'll want to get right into any logs or, or rock piles along that that right. wall. They'll they'll want to crawl right in them just like dragons, you know. <laughs> so, but a lot of times you'll be able to tell to hit before it even happens because they'll cheat they'll chase it to the surface. Yeah, they'll the come over, they'll yeah. come off, they'll come off that wall, and that bait's only down three to five, six feet along the edge of that wall, and you'll see it. And then all of a sudden the board'll take off like like the like the barrel of jaws. Yeah. And you gotta yeah, quick yeah, chase it yeah. down. Quick chase it down a guy holds the rod while you're going the same speed and get the board up. Take the board off, reel up and set the hook, you know? It's really exciting. That's awesome. Really oh, exciting I stuff. I love doing that more than uh than bobbers you know sure yeah yeah
1: yeah well and then you're you're a little more efficient that way too especially oh, yeah. if you're just one person you know you can actually work it makes yeah. sense Yeah. Robbie yeah. Yeah. and, no, that's and cool. because
2: and because when, when I'm fishing I'll take any fish I catch fish of all sizes but I'm really really looking for big fish with live bait that I know I can fool them you know let's face it there's places in northern Wisconsin where sure. fish are starting to get are start or anywhere in Wisconsin, our fish are starting to get leery of even live baits because they've been caught by them, even though they're the natural things and everybody's running with big gang hooks on number fives and sevens and and big, big shiny leaders and stuff like that. You know, the the main thing about live bait is to make sure that you, you got to remember you're trying to fool a fish with what it eats every day. And that a fish that's sharp, that, that, that's going to look things over. So, I mean, I make yeah. my rigs, I don't use real big hooks. I very seldom use over two. hot. Um, I use wire, um, hardened wire hooks that really penetrate good, you know. Um, I don't use a lot of heavy wire. I use, I use 60-pound wire, it, and I just change my rig every day. I've never broken one on a fish, and I've caught fish up over 50 pounds on them. Um, but it, that brown braised wire, uh,
0: seven, seven strand.
2: strand against the side of a sucker, yeah. you can't Looks, even see it. It's camo. You can't even see it. You know what I mean? Fish don't even see it. And the clearer the water, the more I'll use a black rubber or brown rubber band. Uh, the darker water and colder weather, um, you know, the greener water, I you can get away with the clips. But in the really clear water, I, I think the rubber band and the bronzed wire is the way to go. The main thing people make a lot of mistakes about on, on the rigging is, is um, you gotta make sure that you have s- a, quite a bit of slack between the hook and the clip or the hook and the rubber band, you know? So that the bait has really good freedom of movement. And if it really takes off like it's nuts, it doesn't, it really flexes its body. It doesn't pull the hook out.
0: Sure, sure.
2: And uh, also when you go to set the hook, when you break the clip or you break the rubber band, that it creates a slingshot effect. So it's a snap, snap. It's not at the same time you're sure. trying to pull the clip and the rubber or the rubber band and the hook at the same time. So it's a snap, snap. And gotcha. then, then it just doesn't take nothing. A little kid can break
0: them free. Sure.
2: But uh, and and you know just if you if you use that that thinner wire, it, I mean like I said, I've gone toe to toe. You know. With big fish, big I've never, I've never broken a, a leader, but I check them. I don't, you know, you got to check them for crit, kinks Thanks. and stuff you're like right. that. After, sometimes after you catch a fish, the wires will get in their teeth a little bit and they'll make cues. just, it only takes a second. You know, all you do is just cut it off, put another piece on, tie a half inch, you know, tie an uh, overhand knot like you're tying your shoe, turn, cock it to turn into a half inch, spin about eight things around, cut it off and it's done. It's that fast, you know. Yeah, it's the fastest knot, and I've never had that knot come
0: apart ever. I pulled up logs, and everything. Yeah, that's tying seven strand. Yeah, yeah, yeah yep. not a crimp.
2: I don't use crimps unless unless the only time I use crimps is if I'm trolling on with really heavy wire. Um sure. I don't trust crimps, the flexing on the edges of them. I'll use them on heavy mono, you know, the the the, the kind that are. To have the loops in them, yeah. you know, not the flat ones. Um,
0: but uh, I won't use them on wire. I've seen too many things go wrong. Well, folks, that's a lot of lessons, uh, not just Eagle Lake, but just, you know, techniques uh, in, in grave detail, for sure.
1: Yeah. What's so great about these long formats, we can actually, you know, discuss things, not just a 10-minute fishing video, you know.
0: It's so much easier than trying to catch a muskie. You can just sit here and talk about it. and It's easy to get everything, all your thoughts out, as opposed to thrashing and trying to catch a darn fish on camera, which can be really aggravating sometimes.
1: Man, I'm so happy this worked out. (laughs) That's all I got (laughs) to say.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. Um, Obviously, uh, Steve is more than qualified to give us this kind of amazing tutorial on fishing Eagle Lake. And, uh, it's got some open dates down here, Southern and Northern Wisco yet. Still a few of those, uh, check out him at Anna Meyers Lodge as well up, uh, in Ontario, of course, and we'll put all that information of course, down in the description um i'm sure we'll do this again sometime i know it's been largely maybe popular. fishing
1: would be great yeah you <laughs> can get we out in northern to... wisconsin or something that would be something yeah that would be a treat <laughs> that at would least be a for treat. a day
0: a part of a day something right <laughs> yeah. on the water and we've yep. never had the opportunity to fish together i know the num- uh, times i've been at eagle lake i have not had the fortune to fish with steve yet but hopefully we can make it a reality this year sometime that would be yeah. awesome yeah, um, yeah. No, absolutely If you have further questions, just, you know, put them down in the description and, uh, uh, you can, of course, reach out uh, to Steve on Facebook too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You anything we talked about with some of it, we talked about pretty fast or maybe, you know, a, a light bulb or two went off while we were talking, you know, it doesn't bother me. If people want to call and talk fishing, like, you know, I'm a bored old man in the winter. (laughs) <laughs> and I love and I love talking fishing. So here. You know what I'm saying? I <laughs> love so don't be afraid to give me a call or, or pop me an email or text. My email's herbeck.steve J at Yahoo dot com. Um my website's uh dot com. My Facebook is just Facebook Steve Herbeck. Yeah. Um, right. you can message me. Um call me six oh eight five one five three four one six. I know some people don't like to Put their, the call thing, do yeah. do the call thing on on any internet thing, but geez, I'm just I'm just itching to talk fishing, so don't
0: bother me. <laughs> that's no awesome.
1: Doubt. I know Steve, awesome. uh,
0: you know, gave me some pointers when I was uh, fishing Northern Wisconsin back when he didn't know who the heck I was other than a mutual friend of ours, Troy. Um, but just always willing to give information out, and that's that's definitely what makes a legend is someone that's willing to share it uh, with the muskie community like he's done so we thank you for that we thank you for coming by and uh, joining us here um please go down hit the subscribe button that would be killer make sure you comment below who else you'd like to see on our podcast like this and of course robbie if people want to listen to this
1: yeah if you want to listen to it you can check us out on spotify or apple or podbean and uh yeah if you don't want to watch it you can listen to it but i don't know what We'll we'll try to add some photos and whatnot to uh this episode and but yeah. Thank you a lot, Steve. This was a fun time. Glad it worked out. Glad we went through all the technical difficulties. But uh yeah, please hit the subscribe button. We'll see ya on the next one.